Welcome to On Aeon, a podcast featuring conversations between colleagues on, well, Aeon. This week, we hear from Megan Piscatelli and Lars Sorensen on the state of the life sciences industry. And now, this week's host, Kevin Johnson. Good day, colleagues. Uh, my name is Kevin Johnson, and I've been a colleague at Aon for 11 years and currently serve as Aon's North America Chief Operating Officer. Uh, really excited to be here today to talk with you about life sciences. But with me today are Megan Piscatelli and Lars Sorensen. Our discussion today will take us through how Aon is helping companies within the life sciences sector become more resilient and agile uh, as they navigate a volatile market and challenging economic conditions while continuing to deliver quality and innovation to patients. Megan has been at Aon since 2013 and currently serves as a partner with Aon and co-leader of Aon's Global Life Sciences Vertical. Megan has unique insight to today's topic. Prior to joining Aon, Megan spent over 15 years working in-house at a few biotech and pharmaceutical companies within their human resources and oncology operations departments. Having this client perspective adds great value in ensuring our insights, solutions align with clients' needs. Additionally, her time at Aon has been mainly focused on strengthening our life science uh, client relationships within the human capital solutions team and also leading the global cross-solution uh, line life sciences efforts. Now, Lars, Lars has been at Aon for 20 years and currently serves as Aon's global co-lead for the life sciences vertical. Lars has throughout his career been dedicated to servicing multinational life sciences clients with a specific focus on industry client needs when broking complex insurance placements. Having a legal background and experience from both underwriting and broking, Lars is in a unique position to better advise clients within the life sciences industry to make better decisions. Thanks for being here today, Megan and Lars. Before we get started, I'd like to ask you both a quick warm-up question. Can you both please share with uh, our listeners what excites you most about your role at Aon? Megan, why don't we uh, start with you first? Sure. Thanks so much, Kevin. I'm really glad to be here. It's really a true honor to have the opportunity to speak about an industry that we get to professionally serve, but also that we're personally passionate about. To answer your question about what excites me most about my role at Aon is probably the privilege to support clients that are truly changing the world. Two quick examples um, I would love to give is first, back when I actually originally started in the biotech world, my mom was actually diagnosed with stage four lung cancer, and she was placed on a variety of chemotherapies and products from the industry in which I worked, even one product from the company I'd been working for at the time. Secondarily, the industry was really in the spotlight upon the onset of the pandemic, and the quick response and the action taken by many companies in our vertical was really amazing to see, and having the benefit of helping these companies continue to shape medicine and technologies to improve the lives of patients is really one of my core motivators to do the very best job I can do here. Awesome. Thanks, Megan. Uh, Lars, to you, same question. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Um, I'm really happy to be uh, part of this uh, on Aon podcast today. Um, and to and trying to answer your questions, uh, what excites me most about uh, my role at Aon? 
it's really the opportunity to work with uh, great clients who um, who make a difference in people's lives um, and also to find new innovative uh, risk solutions uh, to complex or to the complex challenges facing uh, the industry around sustainability uh, as an example and um, maybe as a final note uh, as uh, our ceo great case is saying um, at AM, um, we we are either helping a client or helping a colleague help a client and for me, that uh, that means that in my role in the industry vertical, I can help uh, colleagues servicing many clients instead of being limited uh, only to a few individual clients. Awesome. Thank you both for sharing that. I, I have to agree with you. This is an exciting time for our company, and I really love um, the idea of helping to enable our colleagues to take care of our clients. So with that, why don't we just jump right in? Uh, Megan, my first question goes to you. Uh, what would you say are the major challenges for businesses in the life sciences sector right now? Sure. Um, so I would start by focusing on three core challenges. The first one in our industry is the looming pharma patent cliff. So when you actually dive into it, nine of the industry's best-selling billion-dollar drugs, such as Humira, Keytruda, Eliquist, they're set to lose their exclusivity over the next few years. And this is really a challenge to both investors that are looking for their next blockbuster drug, but it's also really a challenge by it's placing pressure on our companies to look at their R&D programs. How, an example of how impactful this will be, <clears throat> Humira, as an example, generated 44% of AbbVie's total revenues in the last year. <clears throat> but with every challenge, obviously, comes an opportunity. And therefore, on the flip side, it does offer some ability for generics and biosimilars to enter into the marketplace. The second challenge, um, a key one, is attracting and retaining top talent. We've heard a lot about the great resignation, the great reshuffling, quiet quitting, all the terms, but we're really seeing life sciences companies continue to seek to attract and retain key digital and research talent, which will really advance um, them in this volatile market. And finally, emphasis on ESG responsibilities. Now, this covers a wide array of the business, everything from the CO2 footprint of the pharma sector, the supply chains and retaining their ethical integrity, to the social impact the companies can make on the public opinion. So those are three of the key challenges that I'm seeing in our sector today. Thank you, Megan. You know, it's really interesting. The uh, ESG responsibility seems to be touching every single thing and every single client, you know, out there. So it's interesting, interesting to see how this um, continues to perpetuate itself, even in the life sciences space. Lars, why don't we turn it over to you? What would you add? Yeah, I think, um, and it's it's kind of following some of the some of the same things under under the ESG hat. Um, if we if you look specifically on on the supply chain, uh, that's really one of the one of the challenges uh, the industry is facing. And uh, I think the unique thing here is that we have really um, we really work with global and complex supply chains. It's involving civil suppliers all over from all over the world. And uh, then we have to add things like uh, the very strict requirements the uh, the industry is facing around uh, around quality uh, as well. So um, there is really a huge need on on being uh, resilient and make uh, make sure your your supply chain is as robust uh, robust as possible. The next thing is uh, that I would like to highlight is is, is around um, the cyber risk challenge um, uh, the industry is facing. Um, we see a huge dependency on um, 
on IT when it comes to uh, to both R&D, but also to the production. So um, the, the IT uh, resilience is an enormous um, challenge for the industry and something the industry is putting um, putting real money into. And, um, and also the cyber risk challenge links back also to, to the supply chain because you have issues or could have issues in your supply chain that relates to, 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 to cyber risk. So it's all kind of is linked together and it's something that, uh, that the industry is, is really focusing on and, and take, uh, takes very seriously. Thank you for that, Lars. Let me, let me just ask you just to kind of expound on it a little bit, this cyber risk. You know, there's a saying, it doesn't matter until it matters. How seriously are our life science clients really taking, you know, this risk in their business? Well, this is, uh, this is actually a very good question, uh, and, and, and I will um, try to explain why, why it it's, it's can be a little different uh, from, uh, from other industries. Uh, if we have um, a cyber event uh, within, within the life science industry, um, what, what really is, is, is the, the real risk is a production stop. Uh, it will take uh, time to get everything up running again, to get the approvals uh, 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 for uh, for producing your products, um, so having um, um, a, a disruption in in your production that is really costly compared to to under, uh, other industries. It can take up to weeks before you are running again and ready to produce your products. Great, thank you for that. What would you say is is driving volatility in life sciences, Lars? And 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 you know. Why don't you go first, you know, this time uh, and just really expound on that? Yeah, and I don't think you can, you, you can really see, uh, say that, that the real core of, 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 of the industry is, is, is really work on improve the health of, uh, of, uh, of people's life. And, um, but of course, there are, there are challenges, uh, both the ones that we, that, are, that we know and, and also the uh, unforeseen uh, challenges or barriers that can, that can hit the industry. Um, but I really have to, to go back also to, and, and mention the supply chain uh, resilience here. It's, it's, it's really, really so, um, so important uh, to, um, um, to highlight um, the need around um, uh, around the quality and uh, and make sure that you have a um, a supply chain that is that is resilient. Um, you work with with both um, or a lot of carrier or a lot of companies works with uh, with really single suppliers, uh, so they're really um, uh, facing issues if if something goes wrong in, in in the supply chain. Some of them can work with with the dual suppliers, but uh, if we if we are talking about some of the real Branded products, it's uh, it's it's down to single suppliers. Um, so having a, a, a disruption is is really uh, something that um, that will cause uh, um, a huge risk. And and then you can add some of the the things that are kind of outside of the control is is like natural catastrophes uh, uh, um, that that of course also can can hit uh, uh, the life science uh, industry. Um, but another thing that is um, uh, that is also uh, on, on top of the agenda is, is really the dependency on available uh, healthcare funding. Um, we see like in, in, in the US, which, which by far is the largest um, uh, market for, uh, for the industry, uh, that counts for more than 35% uh, of the global uh, market. So um, 
having access to to the U.S. market, having access to um, to to the funding from the U.S. market, it's it's crucial for for the industry. We have seen uh, things uh, like uh, like the new U.S. drug pricing reform that um, that has uh, been been agreed here the last uh, month. Um, the effect will come in um, in a couple of years, but it's it's still something that is uh, that is. Um, a threat for 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 some of the uh, some of the um, the companies and something they have to to take into into their uh, future planning. Um, you have countries like uh, like China that has a very strong uh, regulation on on how they want to reimburse uh, the drugs. So so the whole available funding is is definitely something that is um, that is on top of the agenda as well for for the industry. Very interesting. Thank you uh, for that, Lars. Uh, Megan, let's hear from you. What would you say is driving volatility in life sciences today? Sure. Thanks, Kevin. And I think volatility is probably one of the few constants in the life sciences industry, actually, as a whole. But to to build upon all that Lars mentioned, um, I spoke earlier about the challenges in attracting and retaining talent. And I would probably just reemphasize that the fight for talent is also driving volatility. Because true employees that have like the in-demand skills that are really needed to drive innovation are really hard to attract, motivate, and retain. And life sciences in organizations across the globe are struggling to close that talent gap. But secondarily, I'm seeing volatility also being driven by the challenges of building and maintaining a strong pipeline. So as an example, to bring a new product to market in the pharma business, they must invest an average of $1 billion and it can take anywhere between 10 to 15 years. And think about that only a staggering nine in 10 drug candidates fail to even reach the approval stage. So there's so much unknown and risk in our industry that life sciences organizations really need to decide how to build and maintain their pipeline, whether the R&D is performed in-house, what might get outsourced, what's performed in joint ventures or what can be acquired. And so I think that just maintaining and building a strong pipeline is also an area of strong volatility in our industry. Great. Let's, let's keep the ball rolling here. What actions can life science organizations take to drive business and workforce resilience? Megan, can you, can you start with that answer for me? Sure. Um, I mean, I think one key area is building innovation and growth. Now, when you think about that's probably at the core of the life sciences industry, but we're seeing more organizations become creative in how to, quote unquote, build. So it might be through M&A or joint collaborations. And those models are really helping organizations advance their R&D, production, distribution efforts. And it's all by leveraging that digital infrastructure across other organizations. And the second area or the second action I might consider is building workforce resilience. And we've been hearing a lot about this lately, but an organization is really only as resilient as its people. And companies now more than ever really need to work to build a resilient workforce in order to be able to continue to grow and thrive, which is really critical as the life sciences industry continues to advance at a pretty rapid pace. Thank you. And Lars, over to you. What would you like to share in reference to this? What actions can life science organizations take to drive business and workforce resilience? Yeah, I think one of the, one of the key things uh, um, around 
being able to to really drive business is 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 the way of thinking around uh, invest in what we call yeah, uh, diversity, making sure that um, that you have um, a, a really diverse workforce. Uh, that is one of the one of the things that really can can help with 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 the inno- innovative thinking, the the, the way that uh, that uh, that you are able to to work across. Uh, both uh, different age, uh, different backgrounds, and and different uh, genders. So so everything around putting the right uh, setup in place. So you 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 really uh, are able to um, to come up with these uh, new ideas. It's 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 um, that's a that's a really important thing. And and the other part of uh, or the other side of the coin there is 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 also sends a very strong signal to uh, to stakeholders that you are investing in uh, in diversity and making sure that is it's uh, that you have a company that uh, that are embracing um, diversity. So I think that's uh, that's one of the things that are really uh, uh, driving um, uh, business as as we see it right now. Thank you, Lars. Uh, very interesting topic. I, I did want to double click just slightly on the diversity, you know, angle in life sciences. How would you say that they're actually doing in this particular space? Are they making any ground? Are they, you know, making any progress here? Yeah, I, 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 I do believe so, and uh, and and we see it. Um... Uh, with, uh, with with the way, especially within uh, within uh, within the R and D area, it's 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 really a um, a mix of uh, of of uh, uh, of people, different ages, uh, different backgrounds, coming from from different areas of of the world, and you have these uh, these hops in in the industry uh, where where you have all the talent uh, is uh, is located, and people come in from from uh, from around the world, and and really. Uh, work together to to find uh, um, the solutions uh, for for the future. So I really think it's it's it's, it's one of the one of the crucial areas uh, that the industry is is also uh, putting a lot of effort into. Kevin, if I might just add to that, um, it's interesting the diversity aspect of things too. Life sciences companies are particularly focused on diversity, even amongst their clinical trials. So thinking about the population in which they're looking at um, in terms of how their medicines or therapies actually interact and kind of have different um, potentially, you know, variants in results. Um, based off of a diverse group that sits in their clinical trial programs as well. So it's really interesting. It's kind of across the board through all aspects of the business where diversification is really critical to advance. Thank you, Megan. That that added such an interesting dynamic, you know, to, to this whole point or that question. Um, why don't we go into the next question? I know we're getting close to time here. This is such an interesting topic. Um, but Megan, what, what are the opportunities for businesses in the life sciences space? Sure. Uh, One core opportunity I'd probably focus on is innovation. And it kind of sounds broad, but um, truly meeting patient needs through personalized medicine, I would say. So our patients are more educated. They have more access to scientific information more readily available than they have ever before. And they're actually pushing our industry to become more innovative. We need to become more advanced, more personalized, and yet, of course, with the added pressure of doing so in a much more cost-effective and efficient way. Great. Thank you. Lars, what would you like to share? Where do you feel the opportunities exist for businesses in the life sciences space? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really following uh, what, what Megan is, is talking around, around the innovation. Um, one of the 
one of the ways that uh, that, that that we see the the companies um, um, attacking uh, some of the challenges around being innovative is is also that they are very active in in the M and A market. Uh, so they are buying up uh, these small uh, new starts companies that have a very that do have a, a promising uh, assets in maybe in a late state development and take that in. Go through the last part of the process of uh, of getting the uh, uh, this asset ready to to be market. That's where we we definitely see opportunities. Um, so we we expect to see um, the M and A market to to be um, continuing as we have seen in in the last uh, last years. And it, it's also a way where that 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 the the industry is is building up their pipeline. As 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 we talked about earlier, uh, it takes. 10, 15 years uh, to have uh, to develop um, um, a new product. So if you can go out, um, make the investment in something that looks very promising, you can cut off a lot of your risk and, and really be focused uh, on um, on something that, that looks uh, very promising. Um, the other part is is also around sell your your non-core activities that's also one of the uh, one of the opportunities we see right now. That will free up cash to 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 make the right investments in 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 these new innovative uh, areas. So so around the M&A area that's uh, that's definitely also one of the one of the biggest opportunities for for the industry. Fantastic. Well, I have to tell you I just want to thank you and Megan and and Lars so much, you know, for all the information that you shared today. Uh, a very deep and interesting topic who knew. Uh, I've learned so much here today. Uh, but before we sign off I'd love to ask you both one more question to give our listeners a little more information about you personally. Uh, Megan, why don't I start with you? And the question is, what's, what most excite you about Aeon's future? Sure. Um, so first, thank you so much for having us, Kevin. Um, it's been a pleasure to talk about a topic that's so close to me. But to answer your question, what excites me most about Aeon's future it's probably the ability to support and see the support that Aon's placing behind life sciences resources. There's so much that we can offer to clients and prospects in a united approach. And I'm really greatly looking forward to the future impact that I think Aon will have directly on the life sciences industry. Awesome. And Lars, how about you? Yeah, um, I think um, um, what's what's what, what really excites me is um, is the journey that we are we are on, uh, and and here I think about the way that we are approaching uh, the industries. Um, we're really uh, putting together uh, all the solution lines with within Aon, and um, so everything from from risk to people, which which is uh, actually a, a, a new way way of thinking. Uh, so so we are. Both Megan and I have been on, on a huge uh, uh, learning curve to uh, to get um, uh, uh, familiar with 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 all the different uh, solution lines. So I think that's that's really uh, um, um, very exciting, and I can I can see that it makes so much sense for uh, for our clients that we are that we are able to to really address the clients with uh, with, with an industry approach. So um, so I really, that's that's the core thing for me. This has been a conversation on Aeon and Life Sciences. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this week's episode, tune in soon for another new episode. To learn more about Aeon, its colleagues, solutions, and news, check out our show notes and visit our website at aeon.com.